As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it, but I really want your help and do me a quick favour. Can you click subscribe or follow before you listen on? This means that as soon as a new episode drops, you get notified. coming in Daniela appreciate you giving us some time oh thanks Aaron I appreciate being here no good um, look I'll, I'll start every uh, chat with people in the same way so I'm going to put you under a bit of pressure straight away love it see how you can get on with it so <coughs> I'm going to give you a... if I can deal with Piers Morgan I can deal with you so oh, let's I'm do so... it Listen, I'm nothing on Piers I love him always, oh, ask we'll diff... see. always ask the difficult questions doesn't he um, I'll give you a minute tops and I just want you to kind of go through your life journey in a minute. And what that's going to force you to do is pick out the bits that you think are maybe most pertinent and important and just okay. try and keep it to a minute. And I know you've had a lot happen in your life, good and good and challenging, so there's going to be tons of stuff in there. So are you ready for the challenge? Let's do it. Let's go. Okay, so I'm Daniela Westbrook, born Daniela Westbrook, um, out of East London, Walthamstow, from just a normal working-class family. Um, moved out to Essex at the age of five or six. And... Wanted to get into acting. Somebody down my street was acting, did a Boy George video, and I was like, I can do that. And from a very young age, I manifested, but I didn't know what manifesting was at the time. I didn't know about manifesting the universe and stuff like that. But I said, everything I thought and I wanted, I used to think about and dream about and constantly think about, came true for me. Um, and I went to school. I was bullied heavily at school, in my primary school, um, because I was acting and stuff on the side. And it sort of took up stuff from there. I sort of had like, a bad energy on me um and I just had a bad time of it from there going forward but I was also very blessed and very lucky and then I went to Sylvia Young's at 11 full time and it changed my life and gave me the best group of core friends that I've ever had I could ever wish for and a great start in the career in the industry so I worked with lots of different people Andrew Lloyd Webber I've done a lot of theatre um Melvin Bragg I obviously went into EastEnders um had a pop star boyfriend or two or three a couple of footballers <laughs> thrown in um Got pregnant at 23. By that time, I had an addiction problem, went in and out of seven rehabs. Um, finally got well, got married, had a second child. Um, married for nearly 19 years. Divorced. Back to using, back to um, back to relapsing. And then and then here I am today. And obviously, the old stuff with car accident and nose and one thing or another, and I'm still here. Still here, still fighting on. Still me, nearly 50. No, you've done all right there. I was going to say, you crammed that into about a minute, minute and a half. So a lot of people go on for a bit longer than that. But that's I'm used well to doing chairs and CA meetings. I was going to say, there you go, ticking the box. Um, So just going back to your kind of early years then, in terms of your sort of upbringing and family and stuff uh -huh. like that. So what was your kind of early years, Daniela? Lovely, normal family life. Um, Both parents worked hard. Just a normal family, working class family. Lived in an average house. Went to a local primary school. Road ponies, you know, did that sort of stuff. Nothing, nothing um, posh about it. it. Wasn't eventing or anything like yeah. that. Just up the local yard, mucking out to get yeah. a, a free ride on a pony at the end of the day. Um, didn't have my own horses or anything. Um, just a normal family. Both parents worked six, seven days a week. Yeah, and that was it really. And then I got into acting, um, modelling firstly, and then acting secondary um, via somebody that lived down my road, a little girl that lived down there. And I was like, I want to do that, and I drove my parents mad to do that. Dad thought it was just ludicrous, and Mum was like, oh, we'll let her have a go at it, see if she likes it, and I, it just took off. I just constantly worked. And off the back of that, I just got really badly bullied at my primary school, 
um, was that jealousy junior or? school. Yeah, it was actually my second cousin which made my life hell. Oh, really? the whole year against me, cut all my hair, one of my plaits off, cut all my hair off, wow. broke my nose, just literally bullied and got attacked every day on the way what home age from school. Were you? At that, point. that age, I was coming up 11, just about to leave school and go to secondary. Okay. Um, and that's when my parents made the decision, because I've been two years going to Saturday, Sylvia Young's, so I'd yeah. made the commitment that I really loved it, never missed a, a show or a, a Saturday class and stuff. And my dad's like, okay, we'll let you go full time. And um, they let me go full time from 11. And I was just, it was the best thing they ever did for me. Yeah. Best years of my life. Can you remember your first day there? What it was like? First day full-time school, I was so excited getting the tube up there. I had like 22 stops to do on the tube, but there were so many of us. Everyone used to get on at different different stops along the way. So by the time we got off, there was nearly a whole carriage load of us on the central line. So it was great. And, it, and it's all still friends of mine today that are in casualty, spy Girls, all saints, like loads of people that I went to school with. Yeah. Still friends with now. And it was just the first day was just, I knew everyone from Saturday school that we all joined together. And I think there was 12 of us in our year. Wow. And it was just magical. And, it, and I still have those friends today. And it, they've actually carried me through so much of my life yeah so you still keep in touch very much so one of them is very big in in cocaine anonymous and got me back into the rooms the last time i relapsed and i'm thankful for my life to Aaron. so yeah i'm very close to my family all of them and like just such a small school and, and sylvia young herself amazing woman and all our teachers and, and coaches and everything there and it was it was amazing. I just think I had the best time and we worked. We worked like on professional work and that there a lot, which done us a lot of good as children to go work. Um, and we were looked after, we were loved and, and it was it was a nice, we, we, we were yeah, like a family, family yeah, yeah, and we still are. And it's, I think when I've hit tragedy in times in my life, when I've been in a, in a space where, you know, I just had no way out and I had so many fake people around me and my family just didn't know what to do anymore because they're just not addicts. Yeah. And they've never had an alcoholic or an addict in the family, so they yeah. didn't know what to do. Um, those guys picked me up and they knew me because they knew me from, we've been together from seven, eight years old, so yeah. they knew me before all the crazy and, and the madness and, the, you know, before the madness, yeah. So they just have always been there for me and and I, ha I hopefully I have been there back for them. But, yeah, it was just... In one way, an absolute blessing to go to Sylvia Young's. Did you know before you started there that's sort of the work that you wanted to do? Well, yeah, because I was I went I went at nine years old um, into Saturday school, and so by eleven I was desperate to. Go. I just yeah. wanted to be at that full time school. Was, and obviously back then there was a program on the TV called Fame, yeah. and that was it was like Sylvia Young's was like that, and I was like, that's just just what I want from my life. I just can't be in a normal school, getting bullied doing something I love because it doesn't matter how much somebody hit me or how much somebody taunted me or how much nobody spoke to me and how painful it was to go to school every day in my junior school it didn't give me any problems about how I looked or or my identity or my confidence yes it hurt but it didn't put me off of following my dream of wanting it just made me want to do it even more so even at a young age you had a real strength for character and a real resilience yeah but I think my parents are very individual people and they've brought us up to to try every sport try and i do with my children try everything if you stick it in long enough i'll buy you the outfit and sign you up you know if you can do six weeks at it i'll sign you up but try everything you never know what you might be good at and i did it and i wasn't the best at it but i just loved doing it and i and i and my dad said well, it doesn't matter if you're in the top grade or you're not do you love it yeah i said yeah it lights me up it's what i want to do and he said then do it so i think there's a lot at the moment of of Kit, I mean, my daughter's 17. She's just literally finished her last exam. She's on leave, nice, leave nice. at the moment and stuff. And she's got a first, you know, got a job and bits and pieces now. And 
but going through kind of all of her mates knew exactly what she wanted to do she had no idea like she's quite she's done dancing yeah and acting. she's been doing it since she was 18 months and then she quit doing that when she was 16 and a half only only a few months ago um, but it did its job because we originally put her in that because she wanted to to just gain her confidence and stuff also, like that and enjoy it. Don't you think it gives you, I think with my kids, Kai still got friends that he was friends with at rugby and at yeah. football, outside school, and Jodie the same. And it's like, same as me with Sylvia Youngs, and then my friends locally, and then my friends from sports. And it's like, for me, I've always put my kids into different things because you have different groups of friendship friends groups. And, and, networks, and, yeah. and yeah, and it's really, really nice. And then, because I was bullied so badly in my junior school, yeah. I think I was overly conscious when I had children to make sure they had, different friends in different areas doing different things because you're not just dependent on one group of people yeah you always had different people you know what i've learned from having a daughter of that age and it is a learning curve you know from going through how old she is and it's going to continue get, oh, mine's, coming, even mine's coming up 21 trust me i'm, I'm yeah we're organizing this party and my son said what is it the queen's jubilee it's not for three months yet but yeah you know, so i, I get didn't it. realize it was a big reality that girls are horrible and they friendship and girls are, they can be so bitchy and horrible sometimes I look at my I could cry sometimes for my daughter and she's not bothered in the slightest but some of her friends are so like she'll put something up and no one will like it yeah and stuff, and she's like, I don't put it up for people to like it yeah, yeah. to help people and stuff and she's like why are you so bothered by that I said because you're my daughter and she's like yeah but you're more caught up in the social media crap than I am and I was like I have to really think about that for a minute I was like yeah. Actually, yes, I am. I think I am a little bit because of what I do for a living. She's like, yeah. don't be using social media for likes and purpose. She's te- yeah. They teach me so much. I don't know about your yeah. children, but I, I actually learn a lot from them. Yeah, they tend to simplify situations, things. don't they? And really just tell you break how it, it down, is. Yeah. yeah. And I think the pandemic helps with that as well because we all had so much time together and we were sort of regrouped as a family a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really grounding for a lot of people as much as it was tragic for, all of it, for everybody and for more, some people more than others. But... For me, I just took it as a time to really embrace my time with my parents, my family, and regroup as a family. Because I remember when they were growing up as kids, my kids, I used to have a rule. We'd, we'd sit down for dinner every single night, and we didn't have phones at the table, and we still don't have phones at the table. And I, <laughs> Yeah, we do. And it's like it's the one time a night or a day when, when they lived at home where we'd sit down when I was married, <clears throat> and we'd all talk about our day and what you've done. And it's like an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it was. And we just had a bit of family time. Then everyone just does their thing again. We either watch telly together or you go in your room. We're doing what... Yeah. But so you just need that, that time, time to touch it? base, yeah. you know? And it's just... And we did that during pandemic and we still do that as we eat as a family now. Um, even if we go for dinner, we don't bring our phones out. And it's like... We might do a, a video or something, a, a bit of fun. But we sit and we converse and it's so important. And I think today a lot of people just... I watch people and it's like... I've fallen into the trap of like texting the kids, dinner. Yeah. <laughs> texting my kids dinner they're in the same house as me you know it's like that's where we're at today with stuff and i think that i think people lose that part of themselves a little bit and that's why i think that with the pandemic coming as well so many people started doing podcasts by yeah, zoom yeah. and stuff and it was so good to be able to watch sort of watching reruns of like del boy as much as i love it it's like just to talk see people differently like sports personalities or people you know or just people that are in business and tony robbins and people yeah. like i watch people and i think it educates your mind and you see people differently when you see people's journeys I think as well I think it took me till I was about 25 to actually understand that listening to stuff like that and embracing that element of like development and learning and stuff yeah, yeah self-learning self-improvement and being honest with yourself in that, in that way it took me years to really understand that that was really important and, the, and it feels like the minute I started to do that. Once I started to it. get more luck, or I started to, things started to fall See, a little bit like more me into with the place. Universe. Yeah, yeah, I think like that. I think about, I think you make your own luck. Yeah, and it's how you think, and it is about training your mind for what you, how you think. Like I, I, I'm 
can be, we were just talking about this in the car, my agent and I, we were saying about, you know, about having bipolar. So if I'm having really hypermanic days, and I'm blah, 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 or I can do my low days, I'm not a manic depressive, but I will shut myself away like I did it just last year, earlier this year and last year. And I shut myself away for like six weeks and I only saw the people delivering me food, like Deliveroo or like the, the guy from the supermarket, whatever, that was delivering the weekly shop. And I literally just worked on inner child, doing this, doing that, mm. and sitting with myself because I hadn't been on my own since I was 15. Yeah. And I speak to my family and stuff on the phone every day, but I just needed to sit and, and self-educate. I think every, I think it's really positive for everybody to do that. Like yeah, that, maybe that. not sit and don't see anybody, but I think it is really important to start looking at other aspects of life and, and and also i meditate i'm massive on meditation the last two years i don't miss a day morning or evening i don't meditate um what do you <clears> think that brings you for me peace clarity um i sleep better it gives me some form of and also because of my disorders i've got like psychosis borderline personality disorder bipolar and lots of other stuff that's obviously other stuff that's been brought on with addiction of mental illness and for me it just gives me some form of tackling um triggers that I might have for addiction and, and for my mental illness. So for me, it's just learned, it's taught me a way of calming my mind because my mind can be ever so busy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I think. Every, Although it I, looks like there's not a lot going on, sometimes there is. I, I think <laughs> your mind can be a really powerful tool, can't it? And it can either work for you or really against massively you. against you. And if you've got ways of controlling that, then... For addiction, it worked against me for so long because I just yeah. believed that that was my only friend and for numbing, yeah. to numb me for certain things. And I thought it's the only thing that's never not, not been by my side. It's the only thing that's never never um never left me or never um let me down but in every way it left me desolate and and so spiritually and soulfully um barren and it, it let me down on every on every uh on every level and it lost yeah. me everything yeah yeah so going back to kind of your early entry into kind of the work that you do and that you've done your fame and sort of exposure and early age when did that really start to uh, at 15 when you? i went into eastenders yeah fantastic great 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 time in my life it was wonderful and um obviously i had great peers because i had phil, like ross and steve with phil and grant there and, and it was back in the day of of very 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 good people with gretchen uh gretchen franklin and, and um who else has it been pauline um pauline fowler wendy richards bill treacher arthur fowler pete dean who played pete bill julian telforth and just very very good people todd carty yeah. letitia dean i went to school with letitia and adam would yet so okay her brother used to be my chaperone, funny enough, for years. Her twin brother, Stephen. So, yeah, I just, I was around amazing actors and, and very, very old school BBC director producers. Yeah. And, you know, we used to rehearse on a Saturday and we used to do a full dress run and a full tech run and stuff like that on a Monday. It was different to Harry's now where they're knocking out like 40 episodes a week. Yeah. Working three episodes, like working with three producers, three directors a day, like just churning out the goods now. But that's TV in general because yeah. it's so fast paced. Life is so fast paced. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I sort of got in at the end of that golden era, really, of the BBC, and I was sort of BBC, what they call homegrown BBC, Sid Owen and I. And Sid and I sort of grew up in front of the nation, and it was an absolute humbling experience, but the best experience. And I just, I'm one of those people, I'm a visual person, so I can sit and watch somebody work for hours. Yeah. I love theatre. Yeah. Because um, I like watching people's techniques and how they do something, how they move in character and stuff. So I would sit for ages and watch that, and I'd watch camera crew, I'd watch lighting it's just part of my autistic in. ways and I just it's just me but um yeah back then we had a lot more time and I I just think I got to work with such fabulous people yeah, and it's um, absolutely legends yeah and then when I come to work it? with Barbara um eventually when we finally managed to get Barbara Windsor in the show because we had four other mothers before her 
Um, and then finally they agreed to, to cast Barr, which was the best thing I think EastEnders ever did, was putting Barbara Windsor in, in the show because there is no more, more East End than yeah. Barbara ever would be. Um, it changed my life. I already knew Barr, but um, just watching Barr work and working alongside her and, and the, the rapport that we had as a family <coughs> and the rapport for Sid and I, it was just, it was hard work to do, but it was it was natural almost. So all of those sort of things in my life that I've manifested for things, it's just become... For me, my heart and soul's in it. Yeah. So, so what, it has can to you, work. Can you, can you remember um, the time that you got the call or the message to say that you've managed to be successful in your... Because you had to audition pretty hard. There was I went for four auditions and it was 1,500 people went yeah. up for Sam Mitchell for the first one worldwide. Like, not worldwide, countrywide, not worldwide. Um, back in that day. And then the last casting I did, I literally finished my history GCSE, put my pen down, I put my hand up and they won't go. I went straight on the train, no chaperone, yeah. <laughs> to uh, the BBC for my last casting. There was four of us left, and I remember Sid Owen putting his head over the top, his long head, and there was sausage roll hanging out his mouth. I'll never forget <laughs> it. And Michelle, I was talking to Michelle Gale, because I'd previously just done Grain Chill with her in the next yeah, studio yeah. along. And she was like, oh, Daniela's here. And there was two other girls there, and one girl was already in the room, and myself. She went, Daniela's casting for Sam. And he went, yeah, you'll do. <laughs> she looked at him and went, oh, is that right? <laughs> Maybe you won't. And like, we had banter straight yeah, away. And then yeah. they called him in to read me. And I remember there was a picture of Ross there and a picture of Steve there and my picture in the middle. And we all had these like big round faces. And um, I just knew, I just knew it was, I knew the job was mine. Yeah. You felt I just you read well it, and yeah, I thought yeah. it's mine. And they were like, okay, we'll get back to you. And it was the last, the last recall, fourth recall. And even the girl sitting next to me, the mum went to me, you've got this job. She went, you just got you it. it. She went, yeah. I could just see it in you and something about you're different. I was like, what do you mean? So I was only 15. I said, yeah. what do you mean? She went, you're different. you just got the every quality that they need. She said, you're just thinking you're going to light up. Right place, On right screen, time, she right went person, on screen, yeah. you're just going to light up. And it was like, and I think people have said that to me a lot when I'm acting with certain things and I'm on screen, especially when I was younger, not so much now with the way I look, but back then, it's just the way I look on screen opens up for people. And um, I think because I'm quite authentic. Yeah. I, I'm not really a fake person I think from, from all the kind of digging that we've done in sort of preparation for today that would absolutely be one of the words that I'd use to describe you is is authentic yeah you know, I, think I tried to get, be that way I've been is, that yeah. way yeah but well, my land's a traveling girl so I've been brought up that way to just she used to say if you can't stand on your morals you can't stand on your feet and and that's just me she just said don't ever be a liar you get caught hold your hands up don't throw someone else under the bus and that's always stuck with me and always even sometimes to my detriment what I've done and I've had agents along the way that have gone, no, you've got to stop this story. We can't have this going out. We'll pay for it. It's not going to pay for it. But why? I'm a drug addict. Yeah. It's going to come out. And I have to say it. I can't embarrass my family any further. I've just got to do this. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to die. Yeah. You know, and certain things along the way, being caught out for doing different things, I just put my hands up and said, yes, I've done it. And I think, in a way, the public, as much as we were sick of hearing banging on about the drugs and the nose thing, I'm sick of it, and I know they are, it's like people do respect that because I have just said, yes, this is me. And and in doing so, I mean, I must have the guys mostly run my Insta, but I'm I go on every day and look at it three or four times a day, yeah. and I must have at least I would say minimum fifteen messages in my outbox a day from people asking for help. Yeah. And how do they get help and get them well? Um, but in twenty twenty two, that to me was you know what that to me. me was worth. It's strange, but to me that was worth every single bad oh, article yeah, yeah. I've ever had in my life. Yeah, yeah. Because it means I can actually reach out to people I'm never going to meet. Yeah. Which helps you as well. Sometimes easier yeah. for them to speak to someone they don't know. Yeah. And just say to them, listen, what area are you in? I help get someone to you to get you to a meeting, and yeah. 
and just give them a little bit is of that advice. Something you do on a regular basis. Every day. Yeah, Every single day, I have to be of service. If I don't, if, if I'm not of service, I mean, it's part of the twelve step program. And if you're not of service to others, then you. I did that for fourteen years, clean and sober. I was a clean and sober dry addict, and and you know, I I wasn't of service. Yeah. I didn't speak up. I didn't work twelve steps in my life every day. I didn't. I didn't do inventory, I didn't do gratitude lists, I didn't work with a sponsor, I didn't speak in meetings, I didn't do chairs, I just turned up and sat in a chair. And I, I just, and I think that that was ego fueled, and it was, I was already going to set myself up for a relapse and eventually it's what I did. Yeah. So what, what do you think is the kind of press version of you versus the real version of you? I don't really care, <laughs> to be honest. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, the press version of me is somebody's middle class, without being rude to middle classes, but it's true. A middle class person's opinion of me, it's not the country's opinion of me. Yeah. Everyone has their own opinions. Yeah. Other people's opinions don't pay my bills. Yeah. But the person that writes that article, they tend to, even though they're trying to be bitchy and horrible, they do pay my bills because they keep me working. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast over the last sort of few months or so. Um, we're now getting thousands and thousands of downloads and views every single episode, but that is not all. Big news to come. We're looking for a sponsor for the podcast, and the reason for that is we're looking to take our thousands of downloaders and viewers to tens and hundreds of thousands of downloads and viewers. So if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, if you're a business owner that wants to get some extra exposure to thousands of people per week, please get in touch. Let's talk at thesilententrepreneur.co.uk. Yeah. In a funny sense, because people are intrigued. Yeah. So half empty, half full, always half full. Well, you, you look at yeah, look at it in a positive way. Yeah. So, you, so when you found out that you got the gig with Eastenders, uh-huh. can you remember that moment? Where yes, were you? Who were I you was with? upstairs was in my mum's upstairs at home. We didn't have mobiles back then, people. Well, we did, but they were about that big. Not my dad had one. Yeah, it. exactly. No, no, it was a pages. It was faxes, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, we used to have faxes, but I didn't with that fax machine. We're not in that posh. And I remember my mum answering the phone and saying, Danny, Sylvie's on the phone. And it was that afternoon. I just got back from the casting, literally just oh, got same back from day. Industry, same day. Oh, so they must have been sure then, yeah. And they said, um, Sylvia went, Daniela, so I picked up the extension in my mum's room. And I remember we lived in Loughton next to a pub called the, the Foresters and it looked out over the Epping Forest in Loughton, up in Baldwin's Hill. And I just remember looking out over all of this forest and her saying, Daniela, it's Sylvia. And I was like, oh, Sylvia. <laughs> Because even though I've been in the school for years, I knew her dead well. It's like yeah. still the head of the yeah, school, yeah. you know. So, oh, Sylvie's calling me, not just the book, and the agent, or when Jackie ringing. And I was like, hi, oh, Sylvie. And she said, um, you need to sit down. I thought, oh, my God, I've been expelled again. <laughs> like, she's ringing me bad news. I'd already been expelled and excluded and then let back. So I was a little bit naughty. Um, and she went, um, you got it. I said, I've got what? <laughs> thinking what have I got now because I'd had about six castings already that okay, week yeah, yeah. for different stuff and one of them was for musical in West End I said for, for Les Mears and she said no not for Les Mears she said East Enders you start tomorrow at 10 o'clock they're sending a bike now with your scripts wow. and, I was, and it makes quick. me go cold that still quick. now and I was like I remember looking out of the forest and I just went oh my god she went you need to sit down and I was like and, I, and it makes me go cold still and I just remember that exact moment I was like oh god Sylvia I can't I, I don't know what to say she went we're all so very proud of you and it makes me Chose. She said, we're all very proud of your school. Yeah. She said, you're a little shit, but we all knew you could do it. And I was yeah, like, yeah. thanks, Sylv. And still to this day, I, I hold Sylv in huge regard. But um, And I just remember putting the phone down and my mum went, everything all right? Because my mum loves to be in the middle of everything. Everything all right? And I just come downstairs. Like, we had like a staircase that came down, like a galleried landing. Yeah. It came down. It was a nice house. And I remember coming down the stairs and I went, I got it. My mum went, oh, let me And I went, 
No, EastEnders. She was like, oh my God, because we only had three channels then. Channel 4 was just being launched. Yeah. We didn't have Sky or any of that stuff. Yeah. We used to like have 30 million viewers each wow. episode back yeah. then. And we struggle now. I think they struggle to get three now because there's such a variety of channels. Yeah, yeah, so much more Such a shame. But it's, um, and my mum was like, oh my God, what are you going to do? I said, well, go to work. And, and she was like, when do you start? start she said, when day. do you start? I said, tomorrow. They're sending scripts now. She was like, you better get a bloody early night and wash your hair. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. And that was it. I started the next day. They told me to bring some denim shorts. And that was it. My first dinner rocks up in a little pair of denim shorts and some little like, Nike trainers and a white vest top. And that was me. There she was, Sam. So, so what was that first day like? That I'd already been... worked on the show. Okay. Uh, Leslie Rampham, because a friend of my father's. And... Um, my dad was a carpet fitter, but he used to do, you know, Stones and everyone. It was just that industry. My mum was, um, worked at the Val Bond. She played Boy Bunny yeah. for years at Croupier and stuff. So, um, she knew all the Stones and everybody. So, my dad used to do all their carpets, the houses and stuff. So, I knew Leslie, and Leslie had got me on as an extra yeah. when EastEnders first started and okay, roller skating across the square. Stuff, yeah. So, I'd already seen the set, so it wasn't too daunting. Um, but yeah, I remember doing my first scene with Sid, and we did it in two takes and that. And he went, I knew it'd be you. I told you it was all right, didn't I, yesterday? And I was like, oh, shut up. And me and Sid just hit it off from day one. He used to drive me to work every day because he was older than me and he had his license. He taught me how to drive um, at work. He used to nick the milk float. We used to drive, he let me drive it around the square and that. And then we rolled it off and got, got sacked for four weeks. We had to sit at home for four weeks. Um, just fantastic memories. And Sid and I sort of grew up in front of the nation, really. We got married, ran away to Gretna Green and did all that stuff. And then yeah. I left and went to ITV for two and a half years to work with Timothy Spore and Leslie Sharp when it yeah. turned to Colton. Thames talk back to Colton um, on a, on an ITV deal. And Patsy came in the show, which was a fantastic dimension because when Sam came back, it was just fireworks for me and Patsy, yeah, Bianca, yeah. yeah, which is great for Sid and I. And it, and that three worked really well, fused together really well. Um, and I went back and forth, back and forth. And if I'd have gone back this time around, if when now Sam's back again, it would have been my 32nd year in the show. Wow. Over 32 years. But, so um, was that four stints? Three cents. I don't know. I've been back more times. Than, yeah. I've had more comebacks in that show than Madonna has. <laughs> but yeah, there's been more Sam Mitchells than, yeah, I don't know what. Definitely. So do you, have they been, is, is it something that the door's always open with those no, guys? No, somebody else is doing it. The girls come back. Um, Kim's doing it now. Kim went in when I was, when I had my daughter, I didn't want to go back to the show because right. it was just only six months clean. Um, they said, well, we're going to have to recast. So they recast. And then 10 years later, they brought me back. And now 17 years later, she's back. I didn't know she was going back in the show, but I I couldn't I wouldn't and I couldn't have even if they had have asked me. It's not something I really would be open to doing right now because yeah. I'm in the middle of five operations and yeah. also for me, without Barbara Windsor there, um, without Sid Owen there, for me there is no real it's the same as such, no. Yeah. And without the girls Ronnie and Roxy and stuff, it's just I've only got Perry and 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 Stevie, which is Billy and, and Phil. So yeah. for me, it's, there's no real bind or hold there for me. I've got no relationships with anybody on that show. Yeah. It's like character-wise. Yeah. Um, and I think for where they want to take the character to, I think Kim's the perfect choice. Yeah. The yeah. way she plays Sam, she plays it very differently to me. She's yeah. more middle-class, different act type of actor, whereas I'm more like slutty, spoiled, cheeky, conniving. Yeah. So Flash. The characters changed yeah. and evolved a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but then I came back and brought her back to that, and then yeah. she's brought her back to this, and I think that's where they want to go with the storyline. And I just think nobody, no one character is bigger than the show. Yeah. I think whoever they decide to cast for that part is the show's choice. It's not my choice. Yeah. I'm just grateful I got the chance to, to put an end into my Sam, and I think it's only right that Kim should come back and put the end into hers. hers yeah, yeah. So, so some, from sort of a euphoric, really positive, family-related, yeah. years and years 
you know experience uh -huh. with the EastEnders guys. Obviously, you still speak to people now and yeah. being on the show. So that being a really positive elements of, of of your life, when did you start to use? Um, I was first given drugs um, when I was abused. I was abused within the industry. Okay. Um, early on in my life, um, and was given drugs very early on. Then, How early are we talking? Uh, about eleven and a half. Wow. Yeah, we was given cocaine at things um, to make us. So we couldn't barely speak. So you know, so you're just like when, I don't know if anyone taking anyone people out there that take coke. So they get to that point where they're paranoid, that bad they can barely speak, can't yeah. breathe. So it just shut you down and to numb you really. And that's what I always associated after that with numbing me. So when certain people pick up um, traits within their using, like some people be paranoid, they're looking out of windows, they think everyone's police. Some people like me, I can't breathe. I'm like get into a terrible state. Mine is fear based, so it takes me back to when I use it. I get that that thing comes on me straight away yeah because it just subconsciously reminds me of being shut down and made quiet to be abused so that takes you straight back to when you're yeah i don't think it yeah. but that's when my body and my brain the minute i take it the drug tells my brain this is why you're doing it because of that yeah. subconsciously gives me a trauma trauma-based trigger um and that for me is is where i go when i use so what's the point of using i just it's not i've done so much work on it it's like it's crazy how your brain just associates one thing with another and then things trigger you later on in life that you don't even realise are triggers. And yeah. it's you constantly, in recovery, have to keep vigilant every single day. That's why the 12-step programme and, um, and being part of a service and, and having a sponsor and doing all that stuff is um, you have to be so vigilant because it will creep up on you any which way it can. It's a very cunning, baffling addiction. So how was addiction. that to deal with when you were that young? Because that's, you know, especially going through what you were looking to do as well. Well, we was your... all in it together and it was a yeah. small base thing. And I think a lot, not everybody at Sylvia has obviously got abused. And Sylvia would have been mortified if she thought it was being abused. Because yeah. uh, I think she would have probably ended the whole business because I think she would have just, it's not what she was in it for. She was in yeah. it. She's so safeguarded us all. But, then, you know, you get bad apples everywhere, whether that's in chaperones or producers or fellow actors. And the thing is, I'm guessing, you know, at that age, if something like that happens, you're not of an age where you're confident and comfortable enough to speak out to anybody. Well, I didn't tell my dad until I wrote my second book and he had two strokes within yeah. nine months. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, when is a good age to tell your parents that you've been, you know, continuously raped and tra like trafficked and abused? It's like, there's not. And I don't know what, I never told anybody most of my life. Um, and, and then I wrote my second book and I was talking to Matt Trollope who wrote my book for me. He's a good mate of mine and, I said, Matt, I've got to tell you something, and it's just come on me. It's like, it's like, like God's just said, you need to share this now. And I said, I need to talk to you about something. Turn the tape off. He's like, what is it? I said, I'm going to share something. I said, but are you comfortable because you're a guy of me talking to you? I'm not going to go in depth about it, but I just think it's something we need to cover. I never have. Yeah. Um, and this is before the whole inquiry and all that. With, yeah, yeah. You know, Scotland Yard went down, and he was like, fuck, do you want to take legal advice? And I said, no, I need to just do it. I said, I've already been to the... And I went to the police and gave my statements and stuff. And I get so much abuse online now from people saying, oh, you're a procurer, you're an abuser, you're this. You're... I just think, wow, people out there are so uneducated in life. But also, you know, they say to me, you need to name and shame these people. And I'm like, why? Because I live in the public eye. I need to name and shame things. I've not heard enough about my life being dragged through. Also, these people have been booked justice or they're already passed over. Yeah. Why should their family who aren't child abusers, be dragged through the dirt because of one bad apple in their family. I, why should my children? Have they not already been poor enough? 
You know, other people have their lives to live just because they're connected to that one person that's famous. Yeah. Well, why should they live in a, in the shadow of, of somebody else's shame? Mm-hmm. So for me, there is no there is no need to go public with people that have done stuff to me because I've done my bit where I should have, you know, and I've done what I needed to do. And there's some things that you just don't want to keep picking away at. Yeah. What good is it going to do now? Sometimes you pick, it's good to reflect, but sometimes if you go, and I've done a lot of therapy, I've done a lot of therapy on it as well, and it's like, you know, I've got a lot of friends of mine that aren't here anymore, yeah, that that have taken their lives or things have happened, and um, uh, I'm lucky I got a chance to work on on that stuff because they obviously didn't, yeah. And let's face it, that's why I carried on my addiction because I couldn't. I, I couldn't face it. I couldn't live with what I was going through and holding that secret. And then you get to the point where you think, Do you know what? I'm not going to be the keeper of secrets anymore. And how long? I need did to that work on me. Go on for that, until I got into the age. show, Extenders saved me actually from well, from being abused years. in the industry. Yeah, Extenders saved me for that because the BBC was such a staunch organisation to work for and so solid and so by the rules, um, and clean. So, um, but it didn't stop my using. I was too far, quite far gone by the time I got the show. Even though I looked wholesome and that, I was still yeah. I was still very was there, messed yeah. up, yeah. yeah. It was already there. It was already. It was before I'd had a cigarette or a drink or anything I'd used. Um, I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. So, so, so at that time then, so were EastEnders aware of what was going on in your sort no. of personal situation? No, or? no, no, of course not. I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't an everyday thing until yeah. a lot later in life. And then it was just, I think the more fame I got, uh, the more I tried to play things down because I had a lot of people on my case as well to tell me not to speak. Obviously, within the industry, so yeah, I was quite bullied and blackmailed quite a lot yeah. for stuff. So I just used more and more and more and more, yeah, and then right. hence I ended up in rehabs and fits and everything else. It's just so for for anybody that's kind of listening to this, we've got quite a, a diverse audience, but there is a lot of young quite people a good podcast here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of anybody that's going through a similar experience, whether it be with addictions or whether it be with, with any type of abuse. Um, or what rape would be or the anything advice, like that. Yeah, what would be the advice you'd give to them being somebody who's who's been through it? You don't owe anybody anything but yourself. Nobody else's opinion matters, only the opinion that you have of yourself. And if you, it's going to help you to go and speak to somebody or just even inbox me or whatever you want to do, I don't mind, I'll try and put you in the right direction. Sometimes it's easier to speak to somebody you don't know. Just get help, you've got to save yourself. And, and do you know what, it's not your fault. It isn't your fault. You, you can't be the keeper of somebody else's secrets. You can't be and let them... It doesn't mean to say you've got to go and tell on them, but you've just got to go and get help for yourself and heal yourself and carry on with your life. If you want any form of quality of life, you've got to heal yourself. So out of all of those elements, what do you think was the lowest part for you? Um, when you look back? I think... I don't know. To or be the honest. toughest moment, maybe. Um... I think when I relapsed, I just had enough of everything, and I just had absolutely had enough, and I didn't even speak to my family, I didn't even speak to my kids. I just didn't, I didn't care. I just didn't want to be here anymore. I just thought I'm so, I'd bring so much shame to my family, they'd be better off without me. So I just carried on using, using, using. In the end, I was like, listen, this is is not killing me, it's not my time. And I I got into, um, quite by accident, fell into doing the meditation stuff, and the more and more I thought on it, and I'm thinking, why? Why, looking for answers, why? Uh, uh, why whatever I'm doing is it not working I know it sounds really selfish yeah. at the time with my mental illness and stuff I just didn't want to be here and my addiction and I just thought you know what this is not my journey did you try and end your own life oh, a few times I did when I but I didn't mean to 
And I think a few times I lied and I cried for help and stuff like that, which was I feel ashamed about all of those things. But especially now, getting older and losing friends, and I see how precious life is. Um, yeah, I was very needy and very, yes, just attention-seeking, and it was all, I just didn't know, I need attention, good, bad, or different, like a dog. Yeah. You know, if you're going to get one way, you're going to get another. So I wanted it, but I didn't want it, and um, I didn't know what I wanted. And then I thought, you know what, this isn't your journey. Your journey is, to, you've, got a, you've got a platform. After all these years in the industry and still not working, you still make the press, you still, I don't know, make the mail online or this, that, and I still working, doing interviews and doing things. Yeah. This is your platform to be able to speak. There's so many people out there you can help. Yeah. Um, and, and put in the path of addiction, you know, put the path of, of getting well or just helping people. So, so That's that, really my path, I think. So with that in mind then, I mean, I've had probably over the last three, four months, four or five people that have reached out to us directly through the podcast that have had suicidal thoughts or have so tried sad. to commit suicide or whatever. And you look at the stats online that are out there, like something super high that I wouldn't have expected. Like over over a third of people uh, in the UK have contemplated ending their own life. Um, and we even had a chat. On... So many guys as well, young guys. Yeah, and again, there's so much more in the press now of men talking and mental health and all that sort yeah, of stigma. Yeah, I, I work and... with a guy now, Don't Suffer in Silence, Marcus, who lost both his parents to suicide. Really? And mum was completely, he won't mind me saying, mum was completely normal, dinner lady, at normal everyday life, and then just stepped off the platform at my end. And three months later, he lost his father, and it's it's better mental health. And I, I work alongside him, seeing him tomorrow. We do this thing called Don't Suffer in Silence, and it's basically men's mental health. But now it's all all encompassed of all mental health now. So for, like, for men, women, children, whatever, and it's, I think it's just it's taken off. And it's I'm so pleased that I've got so many male friends that have been brave enough to reach out, and yeah. uh, you know, big men as well that are, you know have been in prisons and done things, and are big businessmen or all sorts of different genders and walks of life that are just, you know, have reached out and just said, listen, I struggle. Because by doing so, they've just helped so many people go look up to them and think, fuck man, if that's my boss or that's my idol or that's the sports person I like or that's the comedian I like and they're struggling, yeah, I'm normal. It's okay for me, yeah. I'm normal. And guys start talking, like my friend Ben said, little Ben O'London, he's like, Ben said to me, Dan, like, I made a thing about saying online and he's really good advocate for it, Ben, he's great. And, um, and he said about, you know, going to the pub with my mates and just saying, how are you today? And talking. Whereas girls go to the pub and talk about their boyfriends and sex and handbags and shopping and what they want and what car they want to get. And yeah. I, I'm actually know their boyfriend's driving them mad. Men do talk about what's going on in your life. Yeah. They don't talk about the crap we talk about. They don't talk about the relationships and sex. They talk yeah. about like, mate, I'm under pressure. Yeah. This isn't, and I think it's great. And it's a way of opening the door. Because I don't think it's always been that way. It's it really been, hasn't. You know, there's been a huge stigma, I think, with anybody talking, and especially men talking, which huge. is why the suicide rate's so high. But I think there's a lot more happening. There's so much pressure on men as there's well. There's a lot more happening now, I think, a lot more acceptable, even though it's, it should think, be acceptable anyway. Don't you think during but, the pandemic as well, people actually had time to sit back and look at things like you said online and, and, yeah. and see that there's stuff out there to help? Because normally yeah, a guy, so. I don't think a guy that's going to work five, six days a week and did like a, a 10, 12 hour day or whatever, come home, he's got all the pressure on him for bills, mortgages, kids, da 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 da, da. a lot of stuff because women are at home doing the kids. Sorry to make that prehistoric, but it is a lot of the way. During the pandemic, are looking at podcasts they wouldn't normally have looked at and like you said, self-learning, self-helping and thinking, crap, yeah, I've got a little bit of Don't know what's happening until go you that look way. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's really, really good um, that there is that now. And it is open. There's so many people I speak to and, and, and a guy actually came and interviewed me a little while ago and he had a a four-hour drive down to talk to me 
And I said to him, oh, how was your journey down? He said, oh, I just download the podcast I want to listen to that week. He said, yeah. I pop them on in the car. Well, that I was wouldn't like, have happened five, six years ago. Who the hell would have thought of that? Yeah. I said, what a great thing. He said, well, it stops my road rage. And you know, if I'm stuck in traffic, I'm just listening to Passing what I want to listen time, to. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'll back to back my podcast that I want to listen to. And, you know, and it, sometimes I get great ideas for question, how to question people, even as a journalist. Yeah. I'm learning from people all the time by the way they interview or how people speak. And yeah, yeah, just different, soaking it up. Yeah. yeah, and he said, it's just, it's, I'm learning, always learning. And well, I, I, thought, I always go back to the, the reason why this podcast started was in my garage because two weeks prior to that where I was in we've got a couple of businesses that we're involved in and things are difficult but everyone's got lives yeah, different levels are difficult yeah. but I've got two kids got a partner and we all live beyond our means as well yeah and it look and, and it's hard you know, and there's days that are difficult and I look back to when I was like 25 26 working for a company I was doing alright and on difficult days, you never used to speak about anything. My, my boss used to be really bullshit. He'd have told me to yeah, fuck you off. Have to and boss, just, no. Oh, yeah. you just need to work harder. Oh, you need to commit. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm already committing. I'm already pressure, working. Pressure. But actually, looking back, I was probably struggling with certain things. Maybe pressure, stress, or family and stuff. And I, I got to a position running the businesses where it was getting a lot. Not uncontrollably, but I felt myself losing myself Living a little who bit. Who he was, yeah. Losing, losing myself at home. I wasn't present. I was there, but I weren't listening. Uh-huh. But I was passive. I was nodding and not actually engaging with my partner and my losing time with my kids and different things like that. So I just thought, you're, you're... I bought a mic. I went into it um, and I thought, I used to wake up at like two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, you was on just, heading for a stroke by the sound of things. His mind was going. It weren't always negative. Sometimes it was excitement for what's happening the next day. I know it sounds a little bit lame. I know, but, but that's sometimes how my brain excited. works. That's why I meditate. Yeah, just constantly active. And I thought, next time I'm going to wake up, I'm going to use the mic that I bought for £19.99 off Amazon. I'm just going to go into the garage, which I've, through COVID, put some gym equipment in. And I'd set the mic up. And I went in there at three o'clock in the morning and just started talking to it. And it was shit. The quality was shit. It was full of ums and ahs. Um, I was kneeling down for about two hours to record learning. about half an hour on this bench thing with a with a bare floor, freezing yeah. cold. And I look back to that, and actually, when I finished doing it, I felt really awkward doing it. But that's the first proper time I think that I've gone deep on myself to try and learning really think about what I'm doing and what's important, and trying to get a little bit of balance again. And I walked out the garage at like half five in the morning, and I felt. Relief, clarity, immediate yeah. relief, immediate clarity, immediate peace, straight away. And I'm not, I look back, I was never spiritual. I was never really believed in that. It was just, you know. Your mind tells you different sometimes. The mind is so different. powerful. And yeah. It's the best thing I've ever done. And that's the reason why we're here now and engaging with other people, yeah, well, their stories you and stuff. How wonderful you did that then? How great was it that you did that? Something told you to buy that mic. I don't know what it was. There you go. But but I sound it. But yeah, you did it. Episode one was awful for anyone else who's listening. But. Sorry for his first. The quality is not very yeah. good. Um, but no, just on that, it's it's just sometimes you've got to just take a risk, haven't we? And just and just start doing something. You just got to believe in it. You believe in something. If you believe in it enough, it's going to work. Yeah. Same as me. What I was saying earlier in my career, I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I believed in it. Yeah. I believed in me. And I think you lose that as an adult. You stop believing in yourself when you're a kid. You believe you can do anything. Yeah. And you believe in yourself, and you lose that a bit as an adult. And sometimes we need to get that childhood bit about us again and get yeah, that childlike yeah. feeling about us again like, I believe in you a little bit free a little bit more rich yeah and it's really cringy yeah. and it makes me oh, it's cheesy as hell when you have to stand there in rehabs and go I believe in you you've done a good job today looking in the mirror and I think oh my god I sound like such a div but no today I go do you know what yeah I've got this I've got me I believe in me yeah. I don't need my kids to keep going go on mum go on I don't need them as my cheerleaders they've yeah. got their own life Yeah. I say I'm doing it for my kids doing it for my kids and about three months ago my son went can't you just do it for you I was like, yeah. that is so damn rude. It, yeah. And he went, Mum, like, why do you keep saying the only opinion that counts is that of my kids? He said, what about your own fucking opinion? Yeah, yeah. You're 48 years old. I was like, Kai, that's harsh. She was like, no, mate, you need a reality check. 
Stop saying you're doing it for everyone else. Every time you do it for everyone else, you relapse, you fuck up. When you started this job, what did you do it for? What did you go out and work your work your hardest for and gun at that EastEnders audition for and think, I've got this, I've got this, this is for you. Yeah, to light your fire. And I said, yeah, and he went, Mum, you need to light your fire. He said, be, get selfish, light your fire. Sounds like he's pretty level-headed. Mate, he's great. What does yeah. he do? Um, businesses, different businesses okay. and stuff. He's got a studio and that as well. He used to have a rapper. He used to do, he writes music raps and stuff like that. Um, but he had a, he had a music, um, what's it called? Deal, record deal or whatever yeah. out in Sweden um, for a while he didn't want to be famous in his country he was clever um, so he did all that over there and then he's got a virtual tour company nice. he, had a, he had a fish store he's done a bit. but he, do you know what he wouldn't work for another company full time because he said I just don't want to pay about a wage it's very clever after the pandemic he said I can't he, sort of just, he does his businesses on the side like and he works screwed on. very very clever he speaks of five languages and wow yeah, fluently, and, and I'm I'm proud of the kids. You know what I mean? I've I've given them the best I can and good educations and everything else. But they've, you know, as as, as Kai always says, like people say, oh yeah, you're silver spoon, and Kai went, yeah, and I'm the fucker that turned it to gold because I had to put hard work in. That kid's been homeless, lived in hostels, had shit go down when I've had nothing. But yeah, at the same time, people just think he lives. When my ex-husband lived in a million pound house, like three million pound houses, went to international schools and flew everyone private jets, he did. And then at a different time. The kid was freaking in a hostel on the floor because they wouldn't couldn't house me with him because he was over eighteen. Yeah, you know we've had we've had our ups and downs, and the kids kids lived. He's had to do things he don't want to do. Do you know what I mean? It's like and now he's level headed, he's business headed. He's got his crypto. He's got things going on. He's, and he yeah. educates. It was him that got me into watching Tony Robbins and different yeah, people yeah. and stuff like that and all spiritual stuff. And he's like both my kids. Jody's very spiritual, but um, you know I'm very blessed. And as I said, they teach me every day. Mm different stuff so going through sort of the bits that you've gone through in your life and stuff how's the relationship been with like close family and your kids and stuff like that how's that kind of ebbed and flowed? my son and my my daughter and my son are fabulous i, I just uh, an absolute gift um my son's never left my side no matter what um jody we've kept quite a lot from jody because she's the baby kai shielded her from quite a lot my mum's always been there but it was me i just didn't show up and i used all of them as a, i used to use everything and throw i'm a narcissist when i'm using yeah um i'm a terrible narcissist to everybody when i'm using including myself um and i can make turn anybody against anybody because i have a very good power of deception um and i'm an actor so i'm great at everything and i remember everything because that's my job so i never get caught up on lies you've got the skills to manipulate situations oh yeah i'm like corella deville i really am and uh (laughs) but i like dogs but um yeah, I, I caused my family a lot of heartache, you know, and a, a lot of pain. And my family have always been there. They've always been there waiting for me, you know, that just to come home. And, I, and that's all I've ever wanted, just me to, to come home and be well. They've given me every support and um, thrown me so many lifelines, and I just didn't want them. And I'll turn it around and say that they were horrible to me, and they're this and they're that, and da, 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 because I wanted people to feel sorry for me. I just used to lie. I lie when the truth will do, you know, and it, yeah. that's how I was, and that's being a drug addict. So, yeah, and that's uh, sometimes that whole ego stuff and that whole line and everything else is more addictive than the actual drug you're taking. Yeah. Because that's, that, feeds, that feeds an addiction in itself. So I had a lot of making up to do and a lot of, um, not making up to do, I had a lot of just one foot in front of the other because I was ready to make amends. Doesn't mean to say everyone in my family was and I mm. just had to show. Is there any relationships that have suffered and that haven't recovered? No. Touch wood, thank goodness, no. And there is everything that I've put right. Uh, we have put right, both all of us together. And only for the grace of God and for their love, 
I have, but I had to take a back seat and and just know that I can't I can't always be on Daniela's time when she stamps yeah. her foot. Uh, my my therapist Michelle is fantastic. She says to me, "Listen, sit tight. It's not about you." I was like, "But this is my recovery." She went, "Yeah, it's your recovery, but it's their life as well. Mm. They're not the same page. You fucked up. Deal with it. Sit tight." She said, "You know," I said, "But I'm offering the olive branch." She went, "I know, but you don't have to take the whole fucking tree back." And it was sorry to swear, but it's like, and she's so right. And so like, I needed a therapist like that. She's yeah. going to go, "No, listen to this. Take that, 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 and that, and sit." sit in your shame and it's like now I look at things and people say you're different to other people I've met or different celebrities and different things I said listen I I sit with what I've done good and bad yeah and I take power over it yeah and and for the bad stuff I've done I take ownership of and I turn it around and I try and show other people a way forward um I'm not saying I'm perfect and I'm still learning every day and I still learn a lot in recovery every day I still listen to chairs and messages and I I hear a lot that reflects back at me. And I do try and take the similarities, not the differences, in every meeting I go to. Even if something doesn't really resonate with me, I will find something in somebody else sharing or something. Or in a reading or whatever. I try and take a good from everything. Because before I used to think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. And that's why I fucked up every time. When I relapsed eventually after 14 years, it wasn't a case of if, it was a case of when. And this time around, I'm so conscious as to... I, it's not because I don't ever want to use again. It's not about the using anymore for me. It's about I don't want to lo- lose my relationships today. I yeah. don't want to lose the relationship I have with myself either. Yeah, which is probably the most important yeah. one. And my kids have taught me that by saying, what about you? Weird, weird, isn't it? Our kids can teach you quite a lot. They're a They're a blessing. Situations. They're a blessing. Like when I struggle, I speak to my daughter or I might go and speak to my son. He hasn't got a clue what the struggle is, but he'll say right. something and I'll be like, how can I... Yeah, that makes sense. And, not, and some decisions we've They're made. They're bright, these kids these days. Not some of the decisions we've made with the businesses where I didn't have a clue and been doing in this industry for like 14, 15 years. I haven't got, you know, the logic, a real, the way a real they see logic is it's strange. Like they don't know anything about the business, nothing about the industry. And then I'll ask them a question and they'll give me an answer that's that dumbed down and basic that I'm like, why yeah, it just I cuts through like the that? crap, doesn't it? Yeah, as well, just it's simplify just it and just go and do that. Why aren't you doing yeah. that, Dad? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, my kids are like that. that. And it's, do you know what? I think because they've always been brought up around business and that's sit around boring tables with boring people with listening to dinner and stuff. It's like, Kai's so good with business. I don't make a decision in my career, even I'm even on a group chat with my agent and and the two kids. There's not one job I take, even this one, that my kids haven't, my son hasn't not not, not researched you. Yeah. I said to me, yeah, that'd be great for you to do, do that. I get asked. I get asked. Oh, no, my son looks at different things. He likes the idea of the silent entrepreneur thing as well. He likes the whole. The way you are with stuff because you're not very bullshit. You're not yeah, all yeah. about getting loads of followers on Instagram, being the best at podcasting. It's what you do and how you speak. Listen, I'm not. The, I'm not the best speaker. I'm not the best podcaster. No, but you're real. I go back to and I said I had this conversation probably four or five times in the last 24 hours to different people. I go back to the first time and the reason why we started it and why I walked into the garage at 3:30 uh-huh. was because I was struggling with something. I had to talk about something and I felt better after it. And it was that and kind of... It's like of... I said to you, sometimes when people Instagram me and speak, it's that kind of talking yeah. to somebody you don't know, even if it's talking to yourself yeah. on a microphone yeah. and hearing it back. You've got it out there. And I'm one of those people that, that Michelle made me realise, my therapist, that once I vocalise something, even if I just write it down, yeah. or if I especially speak it out loud like you did into a microphone, once it's vocal, it's out there and I've sort of broken the spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then suddenly it's not heavy on me. Like yeah. you said, you walked in, you felt yeah, lighter. Yeah, it was light, yeah. Because I've vocalised it, and then it becomes real, and it's like, okay, you can't sit in my head anymore, rent free. It's out there, and it's a silly thing, and it may well just be the way we compute things, but it works. 
But I think there's in 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 especially with and we spoke about this before we we went live, but especially with pressures of a young age with social media, even even it's growing horrible. up. That makes it very hard to do that. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast over the last sort of few months or so. Um, we're now getting thousands and thousands of downloads and views every single episode, but that is not all. Big news to come. We're looking for a sponsor for the podcast, and the reason for that is we're looking to take our thousands of downloaders and viewers to tens and hundreds of thousands of downloads and viewers. So if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, if you're a business owner that wants to get some extra exposure to thousands of people per week, please get in touch. Let's talk at thesilententrepreneur.co.uk. So when we're talking about social media, what's your kind of opinion on social media and the whole uh, Half the time I'm not allowed to run mine. I have to call it a few times a day because I just argue back with people about shit. <laughs> but I don't anymore too much. I've decided I've come to accept. And doing all this self-help, I just thought I've handed it over to the office a lot. Um, obviously, I've got to watch up with the kids in the office. And, um, and it's just been so lovely to be able to hand things off to somebody else because I like to get back to people. But at the same time, I'm too accessible to other people yeah. and, and trolling and bullying and stuff like that. And I do go back at people. You need to protect yourself a little bit as well with that sort Not of stuff. Not really. I, just, I need to spend less time just scrolling. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, there's so You're much crap that I could be yeah. doing, yeah. Um, and there's stuff I need to do, like sort of at the cupboard under the stairs and uh, just boring mum shit. And it's yeah. like, I can lose four hours on Instagram. You know what I mean? And I'm an addictive personality, so I will sit on there. But and I also sometimes have to step back a bit from from being too hands-on helping other people i just have to point them in the right direction and, yeah and so with some of the thing. content on on social media then oh, with people that are in the public the eye what's your a what's your opinion it. on that versus actual reality from somebody that is in the public eye uh well none of my friends are real famous people most of my friends are like cleaners and mums and just normal my mates are just normal mums and stuff so yeah I don't really live that like I, yeah I put nice things up sometimes but a lot of that like a lot of the holidays you see and they're paid to go on holiday they have to post them things nobody lives a Ralph Lauren catalogue lifestyle people don't live like that not everyone is Beyonce do you know what I mean especially if you're in Towie it ain't happening I live in Essex I live right there on the plot of where it all goes on nobody lives like that let me tell you um you know, that'd be uh, disappointing for some youngsters. Yeah, to hear, it will be. But you know the what? Region, the yeah? thing is, if you want to sit there and spend four hundred pound a month on HP on a Range Rover, and uh, you know, and this, this, and this, and look great, put yourself under that much pressure, and then own none of it at the end of it. You know, and not be guaranteed so many episodes and then stick yourself under that much pressure, then crack on. But for me, it's like I've been brought up in a way of if you can't afford it, don't have it. As you know, that's why I've ended up homeless at times and, and with different things, with no car or whatever, because I don't, I don't stunt a life. I'm very real. Yeah. Um, and if I'm poor, I'm poor, mate. So I don't really fit into that bracket of these people. Yes, I have nice things and I do do nice things, but I work hard for it. And there's a lot of people out there that aren't famous that have got a lot nicer things than me. And I've worked hard for it, but it's it's not about how you look and, and what you've got. So you wrote a couple of books, yeah? I have. But what was your reason? i the third one. Oh, you wrote a third one. Oh, I do one every 10 years, by the sound of it seems to think. I was going to say, that's the rotor. What, what, so what was the reason why you wrote your first book? Uh, honestly? Yeah. I got off a really good deal. <laughs> So I just did it. Um, yeah, I just did a book. Right place, right time, right yeah. money. and it was yeah. a, right, I had a gap to fill for four months, and I thought, yeah, that'll do. Did that, and um, I really found it quite good to do. And then the second one I did in recovery and, and with Matt, and I self-published, and I found that really therapeutic to do. And yeah. the same thing with the third, I'm doing it again. So just talk to me about the process of writing a book. 
Like what? What goes I don't really into do anything. Stuff? Are you just talk, are you open and talking? I just or? meet them once or twice a week and sit down for four hours a time and just talk on a dictaphone and okay. they go away and do everything. Type it all up and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They make an arc for it and then we look at the the, ep- the the episodes, the chapters and stuff, and then and I just do the fun bit like the artwork and the pictures and stuff yeah. like that. So when's it out? The next one I'm going to self-publish again, I think. Yeah. Because it's really it's only print and demand from Amazon, which is great, and it only costs like five or six grand to do. Yeah. So it's nothing to do yeah. to write and to proof um, to get proofed and legalize like legal, um, and then you haven't got any of the over you know any of the rubbish that goes with it. So what? So you've done two already. So what's the kind? Of, what's going to be the kind of purpose of the third book? The third one. Well, since I got divorced and um, I had a fantastic marriage and I've got a brilliant ex-husband, fantastic. We just grew apart and that you know that's the, the bare crux of it. I've got nothing bad to say about him at all. We had a great marriage. Yeah. Great guy. Um, so basically, just from my divorce, I relapsed. The reasons why. Um, I'm also doing another book, hoping to early next year with Kai, um, which will be released and is going to help a homeless charity and a, a drug charity as well. Cool. Um, and that is going to be a book about. It's only six chapters, six seven chapters. Yeah. Um, I'll do the first chapter about how I relapsed and where I was, mental health and everything where I was. First yeah. half of the chapter, then Kai's going to write the second half of the chapter. Okay. From his point of view, after a mother being clean That's for fourteen years, seeing yeah. me that my demise, my relapse, and how it was for him watching me relapse, and I'm going to go through the stages of my relapse and my using and everything else and getting better again. And every chapter we're going to. I'm going to do a bit and he's going to do a bit. So from my point of view and from another point of view, and it basically the money's going, we've both been homeless. Um, and then the other side of it from the, from the drug charities is to basically try and help and fund people to get into places and for people to get help who don't understand addiction and their family members are in an addiction. Um, so that's why we're doing my point of view and his point of view because sometimes it's very hard being on the other side and you blame yourself that you can't help but and you can't get to stop. Points of view, you're, you're capturing twice It was Kai's idea to do it and I said it'd be a really good idea to do that and, uh, I, and he said, Mum, I think we should try and do this. This is a self-help thing and I said, I think that would really help a lot of people. Mm. So yeah, we're going to do that and then the money just goes to the charities like that Amazing. and it'd just be nice to be able to get something out there and help people. And when do you think that's going to be out and about? Oh, I'm going to get this one self-published first and then we'll probably do that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the third book. Is that what, yeah. a couple of months away? Or? Uh, I'm hoping before Christmas, but I'm yeah. just so banged out. I'm having these operations and that as well. So in between all of those. But um, yeah, so I'm trying to get that done now. I have started writing it all myself. Yeah. And then yesterday I just said to Chad, listen, I need a ghostwriter on this one. I can't do it. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people write their own books. Intense, isn't it? It's a lot of yeah. work. Yeah. I can't even spell, stuff. but you know. Because I can speak, so I just think I need someone to cut it all down for me. Yeah, that's nothing like bad. You it's like you in the, the same garage, story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but they'll they'll, 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 condense, they? they'll condense it a lot better than me. So yeah, we we'll have to know when it's out so we can. Oh yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah, around I'll come and do something. Pieces, or when I, I do the one with Kai, maybe Kai and I'll come on and speak to you. Yeah, because it's interesting to see sometimes for other people at home to see from just a different point of view. Point isn't of view it? Yeah. that they're not alone in how they think about their family member or their loved one. Oh yeah, because there'll absolutely be people listening to this that are not the user, but. The family member, it's or so the brother, sad. or the sister, and, and or they the can go to Anon meetings. They can go to you know okay. family members' meetings, and, and it's that's so helpful. You know, I know a lot of people that have got gained a lot from going to those. But yeah, it's been great. So, so with with um with your addiction, what's that cost you? I don't know. Other than my 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 notes, my looks, I don't know to be honest. I don't even do my own accounts. My agent does it, so I just don't Kai, So I just don't even know. Yeah, I don't think about things like that. It cost me um, it cost me family cost me that's the most valuable life. thing it's yeah. yeah it cost me nearly in my life so yeah. 
yeah there's no price to put on that so it sounds like you're doing a, so many stuff at the minute to kind of help other people which inadvertently is probably going to help you as well in terms of just keep you busy and keeping like you that. busy and all that sort of stuff so other than the books and the stuff that you're doing with your son what else is coming up what else is next? i'm opening a spiritual retreat um i'm going to do cognitive mind therapy of okay. course with a friend of mine rob rob this is the number one in the country so i'm doing a course under him um and i'm opening retreats um just i'm going to use different places around the country i've got reiki people sound healing people I'm talking about manifesting and writing journal journals, do how to do rituals and then just how to, you know, open your mind a little bit more, how to meditate, yeah, um, and stuff like that. Meditation classes, yoga classes, uh, inner child workshops and stuff like that. So I'm going to be giving so many places away as well to people that can't afford to go. So in different areas. That's brilliant. So I'll be getting in touch with local charities for mind and things like that, and people for addiction charities and seeing if anybody wants help and come along for free um it's just nice to be able to give other people a chance to see a different way of life and maybe it might not be for them it might well be for them see i think that's one point like there's t- going to be tons of sort of parallels that people can take when they listen and when they watch the, the the chat that we've had but that that element there for me i think from i know we touched upon the the kind of version of yourself that people may think that they know and all this sort of stuff but that element there in terms of you i don't think people are aware of of that version of you that's giving back that's trying to help other people that's trying to educate how much do we all really to... doesn't matter if i'm on tv or we're not how much yeah. do you know your neighbor yeah what well, do you really know about them yeah you know how much do you really know about your in-laws yeah how well do you really know them yeah i really really you know what they do and what they give back we, we don't do it because we don't really take time out to it's a lot to of notice. surface level stuff though isn't it yeah, and it's, it's never really that meaningful sometimes isn't it yeah so sometimes we just need to sometimes take a step back and look at other people and see their needs and other things and I quite like it that nobody really sees that side of me because it means I can, I'm doing it because I want to do it not because yeah because of any benefit down there yeah I'm, not, there, I'm yeah. not fussed by that I'm just doing it anyway and like I said I do believe that is my platform and while I've gone through so many things and why I did relapse and everything else is because I have got a, a great platform to be able yeah. to speak and reach people and I think there's sometimes more purpose for me in that than there ever will be in acting yeah well all that sort of stuff we can talk about off, when we go off air but we'll um We'll get any any links to anything that you would recommend or anything to help sure. other people. We'll get shared with any of the yeah. The a lot of things I do out. is free organisations as well because I like yeah. people to be able to get free help and instant help Brilliant. because I know that when you speak to a doctor's surgery, they're so under the you know especially after COVID backlogs, it's like a twelve week wait to see anybody. People, so yeah, yeah, there is a lot of places out there, and I'm a true believer in you can get clean and sober or you can get well without paying for it, um, and the rooms are free. Yeah. So I I just always try try and direct people into the into the fellowship personally because yeah. it's the only thing that's worked for me and I've, I've spent hundreds of thousands of pounds on treatment and for me the only thing that helps me is is the fellowship yeah and you've had the best results from that yeah. perfect yeah. okay so if somebody wants to reach out to you Daniela, to kind of talk about anything that we spoke about today uh-huh. podcast anything Instagram's you've done probably the best one where are we at insta yeah 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 Oh, is mine? So Daniela Westbrook underscore 73, I think. Nice. I like it. I can't even tell you what mine is. I'm, I, not, I'm not, useless. not very good with that sort of data births, phone numbers. and. Yeah, I try not to tell my data births. I, no I don't no care. Idea. I'm quite proud of my age. Well, what, what we'll do on that is anything that goes out, anything that we share, we'll make sure that you we'll, just run we'll a put that on there and stuff. And, sure. and if anybody wants to reach out, they can. Yeah, please. If anybody, you know, I just want everybody to know, you know, I've, I've been alone before. And I felt alone before. And actually, if I'd have just just now known what I know now through the fellowship, if I'd have just picked up the phone and, and reached out to somebody, I'm never on my own. Yeah. None of us really are. And I had a guy, my daughter ran me from work two weeks ago, saying, Mum, there's a guy, one of your followers is online. He's trying to kill himself online. Please, I pulled the car over and set the call. We had a fabulous day. 
stopped myself, managed to get an inbox to this guy and he's rung me and I've ended up going live with this guy. And then having like three, three and a half thousand people watching and everyone giving feedback and messages to him and got him into a hospital, rang an ambulance to his house and stuff like that. And what the message I'm trying to get is, he thought he was on his own. And the, yeah. through the kindness of strangers, he's made friends through people that saw it through the live that are speaking to him. Not me. Yeah. I just did a live with him to try and help him to the stop there and then. These but I had together. the platform yeah. that these people that come from Don't Suffer in Silence and Men's Mental Health jumped on and said listen I'm here and inboxed him yeah, shouted amazing. him down and he just thought yeah I know what I can turn this around and uh, yeah, the kindness is, the kindness of strangers like is amazing yeah. and I have to say I've, I've made some fabulous friends through my social media of people that I never would have met um, just normal people that have really been there for me in my hour of need that I've made friends with via Instagram and Twitter and it's crazy but it's life it is, and I just think that's the that's where it should be. That's from. a big message there for social media is you know fuck the holidays and the cars and the houses, more genuine stuff with genuine people, yeah. more honesty, more actually trying to help and share. If everyone did a little bit, if everyone did something good every day to somebody, yeah, even else. if you're having a shit day and you go on and you and you don't have to if you're having a shit day, but sometimes I've got friends of mine that go on and say, Do you know what, today is having a bad day, yeah, but it's okay, I'm not feeling suicidal or anything. Today's just shit. Yeah. And like so many people jump on and go, wait, man, I'm having a bad day today. And I felt like that. I'm so glad. And that's my, that might be the outlet they need. And then they both yeah. laugh about something. And I'm like, I see the conversation on there. And I'm like, yeah, man, they're, they're both had an all right day. And after Ended that chat, they probably feel a bit better. Yeah, yeah. they do. And that's what it's, isn't that what friends are for? Yeah. But friends are everywhere, I think. Yeah, there's no point having followers if you don't, you know, help out and help each other out. Brilliant. That's excellent. Well, look, Daniela, thanks very much for coming on. Thank I really appreciate, it. I appreciate I've, it. I've learned tons from you today and hopefully Likewise. there's a load of stuff there that people can take away. I hope so. Um, and, and learn from and also sort of have more positive days than negatives. But when they do have the negatives, know that they're not alone. And they're only human. Everyone goes through them, don't they? So yeah. thanks very much. Thank you so much. Hold up. 